What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The biggest upset of the 2022 NFL season so far belongs to your Pittsburgh Steelers. That's not even an exaggeration. That is fact. Thank you. That's why I said it at the beginning of the episode. Isn't that shocking? Do you feel shocked? Like, I would have expected Colts Chiefs to have had a bigger (laughs) spread than this. It dethroned Giants beating the Packers as an eight-point underdog in London last weekend. London. So... Unbelievable stuff from your Steelers. I am flabbergasted. Don't understand how they did it. We'll spend the next few episodes trying to break down how they got this 20 to 18 victory and improved to 2 and 4, snapping a four-game losing streak. Nothing really adds up to me as far as how you held the Buccaneers to an 18-point outburst from their offense. Outburst being sarcastic, of course. Secondary down to pretty much every backup except for Terrell Edmonds. And by the way, hats off to him. Had what, a great game. what a job right. he did! I met. Just imagining all the things he has to, he had to do, making sure these backups, guys that were just promoted to the fifty-three man roster two days ago, were in the right spot. The communication was a one. Mm-hmm. Just hats off to Terrell Edmonds back there. But a JV squad in the secondary. You're banged up all throughout your roster. No Minka, no TJ. And you still somehow suffocate this offense that has a tendency to explode, especially through the air, against lesser teams like the Steelers were. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Tampa do that. We've seen them keep up with Patrick Mahomes, what was that, three weeks ago against Kansas City. And it's Tom Brady. I mean, the guy didn't throw an interception, but... He didn't look like the time ready that we've seen in the previous five weeks of the 2022 season where we were saying the guy is just as accurate as he's ever been, just as precise, just as methodical. And he only scored one touchdown, Tom, and that came at the very, very end of the game. And that touchdown wasn't even proven enough to get them the lead or get them at least tied for the lead. They came up short for that two-point conversion. That's the second time, Tom, now this season where the, the Buccaneers have kind of stalled on offense and it took them the entirety of the whole game until their very last drive or second-to-last drive to put up a touchdown with a two-point conversion needed to tie it up, and they failed to get it. 
I look at the ride receiving output from Tampa Bay. Godwin, 95 yards, six catches. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty decent he day. He had the best day, I think, Yes, of, of course. Well, not anyone at the wide receiving well, no, position, I'm saying, but anyone on, on, on Tampa, Tampa Bay. On Tampa. Mike Evans, four catches and 42 yards. I mean, that's a guy that I circled before this game when the secondary's injury report came out on Friday, and I mm-hmm. said, definitely pick this guy in fantasy. He's going to have a great day against some people that— oh, I- just are a little bit out of their league, to be honest with you. And I'm, he was completely schemed out, taken mm-hmm. out. Um, credit to the players, credit to the coaching staff. He was irrelevant all game long, and that's one of the top five receivers in football. Yeah, even though Gawain's back, Mike Evans has been the guy for Tampa this year. And I'm sure anyone who has DFS lineups or has a season-long draft and they had the Tampa Bay wide receiver, and they said, oh, man, is this going to be an easy 20 to 25 points from either of these guys? Nope, because nope. Josh Jackson's taking him out of the game, Yeah, baby. number 16, Charlie Bash running back out there. Uh, Millette, Pierre, Jackson, I mean, Norwood, all of these guys just deserve so much credit for when the team's back was against the wall, as much as you can be. They had one of the best performances from that secondary all year long. I mean, just shutting people out. And the the amazing thing is, is yes, you got two sacks, one from Cam, one from Highsmith, five quarterback hits. But Brady was only pressured on 17% of his dropbacks. He had all day to Mm -hmm. throw back there. Now his offensive line got an earful, so they would probably tell you differently, at least from their perspective. Why are you yelling at us? We're giving you all day to throw. Brady was off on a couple of passes that you think Brady's usually always on for. So you didn't get Tom Brady at his absolute best, and I think that obviously contributed towards the win. Not to take anything away from what that secondary did and that defense as a whole, and they made big plays when they mattered the most, but it kind of felt like you got cheated by not getting his best effort. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he was at that wedding on Friday, and then he's jumping mm-hmm. on the PJ. He missed practice Wednesday. He missed the walkthrough. He just got with the team on Saturday after going to a wedding. Maybe that does contribute to it. He is human, I, I think. So I think things like that might affect him. Maybe a 25-year-old Tom Brady could have done that. But, but a 45-year-old it, it one. did not look like the same Brady that we've known and no. loved to come into that stadium. By the way. He just can't win at this stadium anymore. I mean, no, he's now two straight L's, two in his last two. Yeah, never won an Acroshore Stadium in his yeah. entire twenty-five year career in the NFL, which is incredible. And also, too, the the Acroshore curse is now broken. We've broken the curse against Tom Brady. The Steelers are allowed to win an Acroshore now. Absolutely, they were zero and two going into this game. Not often you see the Steelers start off zero and two at home on a season. Uh, but they quickly turned that around in their third game of the year. But yeah, Brady just did he not. He didn't look, look himself, man. He was throwing balls to the ground. He was throwing balls wide of receivers' hands. I don't know what. Maybe he just had an off day. I don't know if I really chuck it up to having that wedding because <laughs> if we're going to be honest, Tom, I guarantee you this isn't the first time in his career, let alone in his what, his 24th season, that. He's had some kind of non-football-related event the weekend of a game, and he had the ability to private jet himself to wherever he needed to be in the country to play the next God, day. I would love to have the ability to PJ myself anywhere. What a life. Is there is there any better luxury? 
No, I'm not going to blame it on the off the field curriculum. Yeah, because then you, cur- you don't have extracurricular activities. Making excuses. Exactly. I, I don't want to give him those excuses mm-hmm. because the Steelers played a hell of a game, and that's the fact of the matter. He was a little bit off, though. There's no question about yeah. it. But you have to take advantage of that. You know, if you're going to get the goat on an off day, take advantage of that. And the Steelers absolutely did. Can I get a little cliche here for a second? Okay, let's go. Before for we it. get back let's into the weeds, yeah, let's go for it. Great organizations, proud organizations like the Steelers, they step up in these moments. They win these games when everybody kind of writes them off. Counts them out. Bad organizations, mm-hmm. they start in the tank one and four, they're going to be in the tank. They might get up early on they're a gonna, team like Tampa Bay, but they're going to let them in the game. They're not going to hold on that two-point conversion late. They're going to wither. They're not going to ice the game. They're going to give them the ball back. Organizations that are well-run, stable, great coaching staff at the top in the head coaching position, they bounce back from embarrassment. They show their pride. Mm-hmm. I know it's cliche, and I know that's you know, it's I don't intangible. Think that's you can't cliche. really you measure you that. You weren't even going with like an actual like cliche saying. So well, I'm just I, saying I you can't measure that. There's no measurable right. for that. But it's just a very proud organization, a proud coaching staff that's done a lot of winning in his career. And that was a pretty embarrassing result last week. And you take it on the chin like that, and you're the Browns, like I said, you probably just keep taking it on the chin as you keep moving through the season, especially against a caliber opponent like Tampa Bay. You take it on the chin like that, and you're the Steelers. You're coming home in front of your fan base after just laying an egg on national TV up in Buffalo in front of Nance and Romo. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of pride on that team and in that locker room, and they showed it. So A lot of people, Tom, said <clears throat> teams can look at blowout losses in one of two ways. They could say, oh, wow, we're really that bad. This is just not our year. Or you could look at it saying, you were kind of coasting. You you had a surprise win in week one. You had a couple of surprise losses in week two and three. Uh, sorry, rather, in week two and four against the Jets and um, the Patriots. But this was your wake-up call. This was teams aren't just going to fold over or bend over because they see your logo or they see Pittsburgh, the North Shore, and they say, oh, we can't win there. Right, that swag was on the other sideline in that game. That's what happens with Buffalo now. They've taken that persona. Mm -hmm. There's teams like that now, like Kansas City and them. It's not the Steelers anymore. You have to earn that back. Well, that's what I'm saying is I think in a twisted way that Buffalo game was a wake-up call, and wow – I did not expect it to come in this fashion with so many backup players stepping up. Yeah, right. We didn't think it would happen instantly. No, no, not at all. This was going to be a week's kind of thing. Yeah, like, okay, maybe maybe you don't win against Tampa, but you don't look so bad. And then you maybe beat Miami. And then maybe you go into Miami and you take down Tua, who's coming back from his concussion, his long-term concussion nonetheless. And then maybe you don't look as inferior of an opponent against Philadelphia, and then you have your bye week, and then you can come back. Home game against the Saints, you win that one. Home game against the Bengals, maybe you sweep the Bengals this year. What are we talking about? (laughs) And then you have easy games, supposedly easy games against Carolina, against Atlanta, and then you're feeling a little bit better about yourself, but not in this way. And I think that is exactly what happened. It was kind of like an ice bath, right? You just get dropped in there, your whole body wakes up immediately and says, something's got to change, and... I, I know we can talk about the players individually, but I think the biggest takeaway from this was how great of a job the coaching staff did to really contain the Buccaneers offense and to not to not panic when the Pittsburgh offense stalled throughout the third quarter and parts of the second quarter. And when Mitch Trubisky went out there on the fourth, 
arguably those those two drives that Mitch led were two of the best offensive drives of the whole day. I think of the year. I think you can go a little bit further. I, than I'd that, say my man. The, the one that iced the game. That was a thing of beauty. Yeah. Who thought that your Pittsburgh Steelers would be able to squeeze the air out of the football with over four minutes? That left was of the, game. the only time they've done that all year. It's how you have to win uh-huh. when your team is a big underdog like that, and when you're, you know, pretty deficient in the offensive side of things. Right. Like, let's not get anything twisted here. The offense played their best game of the year mainly because they were able to get that touchdown to go up by eight and also then ice the game once Tampa Bay missed the two-point conversion. So full credit to them, still scored 20 points. So it's not like this was some big fireworks show explosion, but we've said since training camp, you're not going to have the big fireworks show explosion. You're going to win with defense, Mm -hmm. so don't lose the game if you're the offense. And they didn't in this one. This is the blueprint. They got the ball with a two-point lead and four minutes on the clock, and they said, please, offense, just get three first downs. And they said, we're going to do it the hard way, but we're going to do it. And what's wild is you don't even have – I mean, you had a great shutdown performance by your defense, right? Only Holding Tom Brady to 18 points is something that nobody really sees anymore. However – that defense really, as you said, didn't really get to the quarterback that often. I think we finished with only no, one that's sack. That's so weird about one it. One sack, zero turnovers. Two sacks. Sorry, two Heisman sacks. And Hayward. Two sacks, zero turnovers, and yet the Steelers' offense didn't do their part of giving the ball back to Tampa Bay so easily. I think you were concerned when Steven Sims has had his 89-yard kickoff return to open up the second half, and you only put up three points. But still, I mean, the defense just kept holding Tampa Bay. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tampa Bay was 60-40 in the pass-run split. They threw the ball 40 times and ran the ball 26 times. So 39% roundup, about 40% of the Mm -hmm. time they ran the ball, which is high for them. You know, just a week prior, they threw the ball 77% of the time. Uh, So they like to throw the ball a lot. I think it was clear early they wanted to try to run Fournette and try to get something established on the ground against what was a weak Steelers run defense heading into the game. 21 carries for 63 yards and just a 3-yard per carry average. Mm. Now, he did have a 13-yard run, and it was kind of tough to stop him from bowling-balling his way Mm -hmm. into the end zone for the touchdown that could have tied the game if Brady would have converted the two-point conversion. That's Fournette, you know. He's a tough dude to bring down. He's one of the tougher hombres to tackle in the Mm -hmm. NFL. But to hold him to just three yards per carry, to hold the team to just 2.9 yards per carry, 
it kind of felt like Fournette was running over you, and then the game's over, and you look at the box score, and you're like, situationally, maybe he got some pretty decent runs, moved the chain, scored that touchdown. Mm-hmm. But you know what? All in all, really good run defensive performance against a team that doesn't like to run the ball a lot. Tried to when they more tried, so, right? And you cut that head right off, mm-hmm. made him throw the ball. The only time you saw Leonard Fournette really step up was in the passing game, right? His his eleven yard touchdown reception came as a reception. Yeah, sure, it was out of the backfield. He just runs you over. Yeah, I mean he's just tough to bring down. And that's gonna happen. Juke kind of juke the hell out of Roberts Blaine too on his way, but. He's a top five pick, you know. I mean, yeah. he's got no, a I, lot I, of I'm not disagreeing with you, but again, we're talking about him in the passing game, not in the running game. Their backup, um, Rashad White. Rashad White had a couple of decent carries every yards again. again per carry for him, but like nothing that that was world breaking, that was game defining for them. No, there was no big backbreakers on the ground. Right. The longest run was of 13 yards, which is something you'll take you can that any with, day, especially with the injuries that you had. That on was defense. something that. What four weeks ago at this point, Nick Chubb was doing every other run on you. <laughs> thirteen yards. Yeah, he might have averaged thirteen yards per carry at one point in that game. But phenomenal job at stopping the run and really forcing Tampa Bay to be one dimensional. But the amazing thing is, is you made even them the one dimension even that in they the love. Dimension. They love to live in that right. dimension, and they still couldn't get things cooking offensively. Just never clicked. Uh, going back to that offense though, and squeezing that air out of that football to say that a billion times. If they give that ball back to Brady, I think it's over. It's over. I think they get a field, a field goal, goal at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they had shown, as some offenses kind of do, elite offense can, elite offenses can be pedestrian for the majority of the game, but then they can have that flip switched, and that flip that, switch, that switch flipped. <laughs> we both paused because we knew it didn't sound right. You can switch that flip and. Flip that switch. Flip that. Move I just on. did it again. You gotta move on. And in the last drive of the game, they can go down the score. They can go down, go down the field, score the game-winning field goal. You need a timeout from Dawkins for a little bit. Yeah, am I just having some more vomit here? You're absolutely right, though. Like that, they got momentum, and they you're did gonna that. get tired too. And Brady's seen the defense now for almost sixty minutes, so and, he knows right. what you're gonna do to the tenth degree. Now. And they had just done it on that on that what could have been a game tying touchdown drive. Should have been. Should have been, except for Devin Bush getting a hand in there. What a play too. Yeah, and we'll talk about that at a bigger length longer down the road. But I just can't do it today. My my mouth is just not operating the way on the same wave as my brain. But say the Steelers go three and out and they don't, as you say, squeeze the ball of the air to end the game, you have very little faith that Tom Brady won't step up to the task. Oh, he was going to get a field goal. At and the get at least he might have gotten a touchdown. Field goal range, right. But you don't give him the ball back at all. And doing it the hard way is what really flabbergasts me. You face like third and 12, mm, twice. third and 11 at one point, mm-hmm. and another third down conversion, and Mitch doesn't blink in those moments. I mean, who amongst us didn't think it was going to be disaster when Mason Cole skidded the ball on the ground back towards oh. Mitch Trubisky? I mean, that was it. That was I it. That, that was, was what it. you thought was going to be the defining moment of the loss. And an underrated make a play moment is Mitch recovering that fumble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, thankfully he had Najee there to kind of, kind of block off that he defender. Flubs up even uh-huh. for a second and maybe doesn't squeeze the Charmin. 
there's a good chance that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are picking up that football. So he had to make a play on that loose ball, and he did. And, and then, then he makes that, a bigger play on yeah. the next down, on third down, to keep the chains moving. You know, it. if you told me they were going to ice the game by just Nod just feeling himself, maybe Warren gets a couple blows here or there, and the line is just pushing dudes off the ball mm-hmm. late in the football game, four-yard run, six-yard run, five-yard run, six-yard run, I would be like, wow, that's a little unbelievable, but that's the way you do it, right? If you told me that they had to convert third and long <laughs> three different times through the air with Mitch Trubisky in the game, I would have thought, I need There's to no get way. the number for your drug dealer because these drugs that you're on are out of control. But that's exactly what happened. And, and that's but the key the word Tom- for this game is flabbergasted mm-hmm. because everywhere I turn... I just it doesn't make sense to me. Like, the offense scoring a touchdown on their opening drive. Steven finally, finally, finally a great Steven scripted Sims opening drive. taking eighty nine yards uh, almost to the end zone, and then having another twenty solid twenty five yard punt return later in the game. The defense holding Tom Brady to eighteen points in total. Only one touchdown on the day. Mitch Trubisky coming in in relief of a concussed Kenny Pickett, and having a drive. That ends with hit the ball in his hands, kneeling it down uh, for time to expire. Everything that we've just listed, Tom, is something that we really is something we haven't seen really all season long from this team. And one dude that needs a lot of credit is Chase Claypool because yeah. he's certainly add that to the list. He's certainly gotten it because from we were us, saying we were saying, a lot of people. We were saying before this week you could take his season totals in receptions, targets, yards. Touchdowns, which we know was zero, and say that's one or two games that a player could put up, that a guy can put up in in two games, and he did it through five, and then he had by far and away the best day of, of the season so far. With what was it? I think he was targeted seven times, seven caught the ball seven, seven times. What was it ninety yards? Ninety six. Ninety six yards in it, and the game winning touchdown. One touchdown. The, ga- the go ahead touchdown. Rather, the go ahead right. touchdown. Yeah, to build on the lead. So. Mm-hmm. Truly incredible stuff from Chase Claypool, and again, I like to see a little bit of this pride being shown from some of these guys. Claypool has gotten it really since the season started, and I think the noise reached its loudest peak last week, just because it kind of reached its loudest peak on everybody. Right there wasn't there wasn't one target that was getting it worse than anyone else. But last that week. guy, being someone that has gotten the brunt of it for a while, it just compounded over time, and to see him go out there and put up such a great clutch performance in such a big spot where you kind of need a win to stay alive. ever so, However slight your chances might be, they're still there because you didn't fall to 1-5 one and, f- one and, mm-hmm. and have the worst record in the NFL. You got out of that basement. And on those big third downs for him to make those plays, to score that touchdown, 7-7, seven for seven, on his targets. Do you know that's the first time in his career that's happened? It's phenomenal. And I, I just hope to God that you build off of it now. Because that's gotta be a great confidence boost for this young Absolutely. man. And if he can now look himself in the mirror today on a victory Monday and say, that's the Chase Claypool that I need to be. Mm-hmm. I need to get the dirty yards. I need to be a clutch wide you know receiver. No, it's crazy. Like we're saying he needs to get that dirty yards because he's now kind of developing into that slot receiver. But the catches he made on third down were not dirty. 
They were precise. They were beautiful. They were toe-tapping, arm extension into out-of-bounds in order to make those catches. And the improvisation on the deeper one that went for 26 yards (laughs) was phenomenal. Mitch, first of all, great pocket presence for Mitch when he got in the game. Escapes the pocket, runs to his left on the TV screen, and Claypool, who was just kind of in the flat, sees him running towards him, and he turns upfield, mm-hmm. and he just starts taking off upfield. Mitch keeps his eyes downfield and puts a beautiful ball right in for Claypool, who, like you said, had to make sure he gets a foot and the elbow comes mm-hmm. down right in bounds. Just couldn't have drawn it up any better. I love the improvisation between the two of them and Claypool reading his quarterback like that. I mean, we're going to give our moneymakers away in the next episode, but I have a feeling number 11 is a He's high be nominee mm-hmm. on both of our lists. It was he had a lot of great games as a rookie, but that seems so long ago that right. it's so refreshing to see a game like this. And it kind of inspires a little bit of hope in me and him still having a role on this Steelers team in the future. Where two weeks ago, a week ago, I kind of had already written off that, you know, Claypool and the <laughs> Steelers, you know, that road might be coming to an end sooner than people might have anticipated after that phenomenal rookie season. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anyone that disagrees with what you could say because. Even though it was only two years ago, 2020, it seems like forever ago where he scored, what, 11 touchdowns as a rookie? Including several, seven and th- I believe it was seven through the air, four on the ground uh, in total for him that season. But that does seem forever ago just because <clears throat> the step back he took last year was significant in terms of yards and touchdowns. And then the start of this year, as we pointed out, I mean, Chase Claypool took until week six. He's the first receiver on this team to catch a touchdown reception uh, this season. So it wasn't just him who was struggling. We know Deontay was, wasn't was having his best start to his season either, uh, but Claypool, for sure, when you come out of the gates that, that loudly as a rookie, people kind of expect you to do that year in, year out. And when he didn't do it last year, and when he struggled uh, through the first five weeks this year, people were really getting on his back about it. And not only did he have... The best game of the season, Tom. I think this was the best game of his career. I think the only other time you could say he had a better game was his four-touchdown day. Was it against the Eagles his rookie year? But that game was so high-scoring, and so many points had to come from so many different locations that, yeah, he had four touchdowns. But I think people are going to remember this game for a lot longer than they will his rookie game against the Eagles uh, now three years ago. Mitch needs a lot of credit, too, for staying ready. Uh, because all backups need to stay ready, but if there was ever going to be a backup that you could talk yourself into him checking out, it was what happened to Mitch Trubisky in the scenario that spelled out in front of him in the past few weeks with him being dethroned by Kenny Pickett. The one thing that I heard from his postgame that really resonated with me was on the game-winning touchdown pass to Chase Claypool, what ended up becoming the game winner. Mm -hmm. He said they had run that practice all, or that, play and practice all week long but he never got a chance to run that play and practice all week long so he was just watching taking mental reps the entire time had his mind ready for when he was in that moment knew Claypool was going to be open because of how successful the play had been all week and what do you know right there put it right on the money and you got to stay sharp mentally if you're going to be in that role and a lot of kudos need to go out for him for Doing that when you weren't brought in to be the backup, you know, you were supposed to be the starter in your mind. You thought you were going to start until the season ended. 
now it's week six and you're the backup to a rookie, to still have the mind focused and checked in, hell of a team player, and a lot of credit goes to Mitch Trubisky there. Absolutely. And the acumen to get that playoff with Vita Vea getting off the field mm-hmm. late. I mean, that's a vet move right there. Get the snap off and hit Connor Hayward down the middle for a big play. That led to it was the play that led to the touchdown reception. Vet, 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 vet move to the utmost degree. And not only that, but he got, he took advantage of two penalties. Right, it wasn't just Vita Vea being offsides. I mean, there were a multitude of penalties that were going to be called. And the fact that he didn't just kind of wait for the whistle to be blown, right? Because sometimes when you have too many men on the field, or if you have an offsides player who's too late to getting off the field, the refs sometimes will just blow the play dead. But Mitch kept his poise and kept the play alive, and it didn't seem like he gave up on the play. It was just waiting for the refs, the refs, excuse me, to to blow that whistle. He he just started that ball right to Connor Hayward, who was wide open because the Bucks were kind of. It seemed. Did you see the defenders? They were just kind of it's kind of statues standing around Connor Hayward because I think the Bucks were anticipating the refs to blow the play dead. Mm-hmm. But Mitch saw what was unfolding, and he took advantage of it, threw the ball to Connor Hayward, who, to his credit as well, Connor Hayward, muscled his way and kind of used his legs to get an extra maybe 15 yards on that play. Well, with the quarterbacks, where do we go from here? Yeah. Like Guns N' Roses said, where do we go now? Oh, 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 oh. Because it's a decision, and Mm -hmm. it starts this week in Miami. We'll get into that more in the next episode. But first... Before we get there, you guys need to do something for us. Mm. You need to subscribe right now to our show. The Steelers Standard, every episode we do is available for you to download. Subscribe today through the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find your podcast. Get a Spotify account. Get a Google Podcast account. Get an Apple get them account. All. Get them all. Subscribe through every medium to the Steelers Standard, and we greatly appreciate that. Mitch or Kenny. It might not be just as cut and dry as performance-based when you have a head injury as part of the equation. So we'll discuss what we think will happen in Miami next Sunday with the quarterback position as well as continue to break down the big win over Tampa Bay on Sunday. That's on the next episode. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman, and you're listening to the Steelers Standard. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.